Yes, yes. Coolie, can you hear me? Hey, greetings. Nice. Yes, yes. That was smooth. Ladies and gents, welcome to Andy Podcast. This is the first episode for 2022. We are on season four. This will be episode 20. And before I introduce the next guest, I just want to set it up real quick, you know. Um, this guest right here, man, it's like, <laughs> it's like a real hip-hop head knows a real hip-hop head when he sees one, you know. And like uh, one of the most passionate guys I know that re- that's really in love with the hip-hop culture. Um, one of the smartest dudes I know. Uh, San, the, the whole San Diego hip-hop experience wouldn't even be the same without him and his crew definitely took me in when I was a newcomer to the city when I didn't know anybody in the hip-hop scene they really like took me under their wing and and booked me for every show that they can it really helped me out in my career I got nothing but gratitude this man right here is an MC he is an, an event organizer a show promoter he's an English teacher he's also an advocate for the for the cannabis community um, and he's also a part of Temple of Hip-Hop and last but not the least, he is a very good father to his newborn. And without no further ado, ladies and gents, I want to welcome Ryan Cooley McDonald, also known as Cooley. How are you, man? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. And I want to I want to give shouts to KBP. Shouts shouts to the homies. I'm really excited about this episode. <laughs> shouts to BP. Shouts to Rifa, man. My closest friends in SD, and I'm, and I'm, you know when. When Ryan leaves town, we get sad. He did it twice on us. <laughs> but I'm really happy on, on how just live turns out and what the future holds, man. And uh, without no further ado, man, welcome to the show. Cooley, how you doing, man? Doing good. Just uh, chilling out at the pad right now. Tight. First off, congratulations to your newborn. What's your name? What, what's the child's name? Uh, his name is uh, Shia. Oh, my bad, my bad. It's a he. Shia. <laughs> Hi, Shia. Yeah, yeah. Shasha Shia, Shasha the lady, you know, Shasha your family. Thank you. Um, I always take it back to day one, Kuli. Where were you born and raised? Born and raised. Um, okay, so my family, they're they're from Canada and um, they got sent over from their work to the United States. So the first place that they uh, they got located in was uh, Florida. So I was born in Jacksonville, Florida, actually. Wow. Hood in in Florida. <laughs> Were you raised in Florida? No, not at all. I actually don't have any memories of that spot. Um, I think before I was two, um, they got uh, transported out to Sacramento, and then okay. off to and then off to New Mexico, and then out in San Diego. I hit San Diego by the time I was like in sixth grade. So okay, that's where the majority of my like childhood and all that was happening. So you you were in Sacramento too, or Flor- uh, Sacramento and Florida? Um, yeah. So you've been in Sacramento before. So this is not your first day out there. No, yeah, I was out here when I was like a little kid. Mm. Uh, it's still just as ghetto and hood. <laughs> Do you remember a lot from from Sacramento growing up or Florida? Like the first time you were in Sacramento? Um, Do you remember much? I don't remember getting there. So like, uh, those are kind of like my first memories. But um, yeah, yeah. That's actually that's that's actually where uh, you know when hip hop was flourishing. That's like the early '90s when I was a kid, late yeah. late, late '80s, early '90s. So um, <clears throat> yeah. So like uh, that West Coast vibe was like popping off here. Like my my sister had like a boyfriend. He had like a lowrider, 
It's like every side of our neighborhood was warring with each other. Like shit was crazy. But like uh, we were only here for a little bit. And then we flew off to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico before hitting San Diego. So I was over there too for like a few years, which was really cool. Cause it, like, um, it's, uh, every, everything was, was native land out there, you know? So, um, <clears throat> before you got, before I got out there, I really didn't know anything about that. So mm-hmm. we'd be driving down the street to go to like a, a restaurant or get some pizza or something. And because all of that land was something important before, uh, before like cities were built over it and all of that stuff, like the white man shit. Um, yeah. <clears throat> you'd, you'd see people like, okay, well this is still holy land to us. So like, uh, like there'd be like a native tribe like uh doing doing like a ceremony or or like a dance or something i'd be like totally enthralled by that so like i think that kind of like sparked a lot of like uh like that interest you know for like hey what's what's going on on the uh on the outside of what we're supposed to be into you know so you were so before new mexico or new mexico then florida uh florida first i was born out there and then i hit uh sacramento for like a few years and then off to New Mexico, and then nice. and then um, then my parents were like, "Let's stop working for people," and they started me, <laughs> and they moved out to San Diego. <laughs> yeah, um, do you remember a lot about New Mexico? New Mexico was cool. I liked it. It's like uh, <coughs> it's boring. Like um, you can do everything in the state in like a year or two. So like after that first year or two, you're just kind of like, well, shit. <laughs> For reals? Yeah. It's a desert. So, oh. yeah, you know. And what was your first thoughts about San Diego when you first moved here in sixth grade? We are like, oh, shit. Like, I, I'm sure it was way different vibe than, like, the first three locations, you know? Oh, it was way different vibe because, like, uh, yeah, I always, yeah. I always had, like, a, I always had, like, kind of, like, a multicultural, like, uh, kind of, like, um, open open like headspace for like where like where how people are are to be like treated and stuff right and then i come to san diego i think i was wearing like some jinko jeans or some shit like that just to show how old i am and um (laughs) some some kid walks up to me (laughs) and he's like he's like you're still wearing jinko jeans those those stopped being cool last year i was like bro we're in middle school like who cares (laughs) yeah but yeah, like uh, my first impression of San Diego is like, wow, there's a there's a strong like materialism here. Like uh, people really give so? a shit about what they what they look like <laughs> or who they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no doubt. This is yeah, Southern Cali, right? Like exactly. But let me ask. But, uh-huh. but Cali's tight though. Like that's that's one thing is like everybody has a chance to kind of express themselves, no matter who they are. You know, mm-hmm. which direction they're going there's gonna be a lane for them out here and i think that's really cool about cali and that's why i've always like you know stayed out here my, most of my life yeah and let me where, where in san diego did you guys locate um where in san diego did you guys first move out of here like near claremont oh okay dope dope yeah yeah so your junior high and high school years were spent out here in sd huh yeah that must be that must be fun so the formative years were out, were out in san diego um, what was like your first recollection of hip hop as far as like hearing the first song? Like, what was the first hip hop song that you remember? Like, oh shit! Like, it just changed your life. Well, my sister was always bumping hip hop, so um, in a lot of ways, I could 
I'd have to say like she was uh, probably the strongest outlet for me. So she was always bumping like West Coast gangster shit. So like you always hear Bone Thugs, Tupac, something like that in the background. And uh, of course, like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and stuff. But like the first time I like like I really geeked on a hip hop song was actually like I think I was like in fourth or fifth grade. It was like a DMX track. <laughs> it was that like that that DMX, and I was like, oh shit! Like this shit's fucking hard. <laughs> like I thought that shit was dope. And um, um uh-huh. that's actually when I first tried to start rapping. Um, fourth grade, fifth grade. Yeah, something like that. Some goofy ass schoolboy rhymes. <laughs> and and ladies and gents, like let me let me paint a picture about KBP, like Cool Beef Productions, uh, Cooley and Beefy and D, uh, DJ Reefa. It's like, you know, hip hop is supposed to be fun, and when they see these guys perform on stage, it just looks like they're having fun, and the chemistry is so in sync, like they know each other's words and be each other's hype man, and it was just it was just so in sync and like. They just had soul and rhythm for, for, for like, like, I'm gonna be honest, like for a white boy, it's like (laughs) Ryan got soul, man. Just like soul and rhythm and just, he just embodies hip hop. Like, cause I think hip hop has nothing to do with skin color. It's who you are. Like, it's just in you. It's either in you or it's not, you know? And, and it's definitely inside Cooley and Beefy, man. Uh, One of the, one of the dopest freestyle MCs I know too. And let me ask you this, dog. Like, who was the first two, two or three MCs that you're like, I want to be like that? Like, oh, the first two or three MCs you heard. Well, like you know, um, let me think for a second. Keras one's definitely one of those MCs where I was like, oh shit, he's saying some, something like what, you know? Um, and then of course Snoop Dogg, because that guy was just no dope, doubt. and he was smoking no mad weed, and I was like in high school, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And, and then uh, hmm, probably the third MC would be like Rockham or something like that. No doubt. What was like the first album, first two or three albums you bought? It was, was your own money or had to save up for your, you know, lunch money to buy it? Like I got. I I bought like uh, three Snoop Dogg albums. The first album, like for CDs. Uh-huh. Uh, my sister always used to make me mixtapes though, because uh, that was you know that was the era when that was going down. Yeah, I yeah. had like I had Mad Media uh, uh, radio tapes like where you'd hear the pop like right before my sister would stop it when the radio would go on or like a commercial or something. But um, before that, I I got three Snoop Dogg CDs or like two Snoop Dogg CDs and the Chronic. So I think it was like uh, I got Doggy Style. Or, yeah, it was Doggy Style, and then um. That No Limit one, the first No Limit album that he did. <laughs> yeah, the game is to be sold, not to be told. Yo. Yeah, that shit was dope. <laughs> you like, I say, yo, real Snoop Dogg fans will purchase the first No Limit Snoop Dogg album. That's real shit, because that was a controversial album. It was like, it was like his first album outside of Death Row. I remember. Yeah, and this was this was his third album, and he was on No Limit. Yeah, by the time his third album came out, and. I just remember West Coast fans kind of fronting on him for a little bit, but then we slowly accepted it. Like, all right, he's in No Limit now, you know? And we we still stuck it out with Snoop. Real Snoop Dogg fans know that we were with him even with the No Limit days. I, I was watching, like, an interview with Snoop Dogg, and uh, he, he was, like, he was saying something like he was telling Dr. Dre, like, all right, well, uh, I'm going to go learn business. 
from yeah. I'm, I'm gonna go learn how to do business at, at No Limit Records. <laughs> and I was like, oh shit. <laughs> But that kind of makes sense because that's like right when that whole that flashy bling bling thing was happening and all of that was that that was very much no limit. How old were you when you first started writing rhymes? Um, I don't know, probably like eleven or twelve. Nice, you started early. You started early. Mm-hmm. Um, which but, one came first, writing rhymes or freestyling? Probably, I don't know. It's hard to say because it's that that was coming like back to back, like a. I think freestyling first, and then people were like, "You should try to write stuff down." Blah 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 blah. But yeah. but it was trippy because like, I like I think I saw some freestyle artist or something. Someone had like a videotape or I don't remember how I saw it, but um, I was trying to like emulate that. So I I got I found some beats like on, through Napster or something, and uh, <laughs> and. Uh, <laughs> And I was like trying to rap over it, and my sister's like, and I kept getting frustrated. My sister's like, "What's going on?" I was like, "I don't know. I just keep thinking about what to say. I don't know what to say." And she's like, "Well, just pick a subject and then stop thinking about it." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's a good idea." And that's actually kind of how I started freestyling better. Like ever since then, I was just like, "Oh yeah, just just do it," you know. <laughs> you, got, you got an older? Is it an older sister or younger sister? Older sister. She's like seven years yeah. older. Oh wow, it's a whole <laughs> generation older too. Yeah. So it's like, yep, yep. You know, we we definitely hear music through our siblings, man. Um, let me ask you this: as far as like before, before we even go to Cool Beef Productions, were you recording stuff on your own? Like, even if it's through like demo tape decks or a karaoke microphone or, or a tape deck, you know? Like, were you oh, messing around with recording oh, demos and stuff? All of the above, but like, um, even back in high school, um. It was one of my uh, one of my close friends' older brothers, uh, homies. He was uh, he was recording some stuff. So yeah, shout out to Clay Eamon. Um, he had this thing called a. Uh, well, it was it was like my first project. It was man, what's it called? Um, Be- so, uh, something in Beezy Boy Productions. Like uh, that was like the first that was the first little like studio uh, session that I had, and I think I was in like ninth grade. I recorded like four songs. Nice. That stuff like circulated around our high school, but I don't think it went any further than that. And then uh, after that, I used to fuck around with some reggae bands and stuff. That's yeah. actually that's actually how I met Rifa in high school. There you go. Yeah. So, so you've known Reef since high school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he went to Madison High School, and I went to UC High School, so that's like a few miles away. And where'd you guys meet? Where where'd you meet Reef at a reggae? Uh... It was a garage uh, band. It was a garage yeah. band reggae party in like ninth through tenth grade. He was DJing and doing the sound for a band called One Drop, and uh, um, yeah, I actually ended up doing projects with that band later on too. But that that didn't really amount to too much. <clears throat> so when you when you met Reeve, did you guys keep in touch throughout the years till up to the point KBP formed, or? Or you guys reconnected again and then formed KBP? Um, well, I've always been like a... I've always been like a weed guy. So, like, I always traveled up and down uh, California, up and you know, back up and down from uh, NorCal. So, I'd see him, you know, from time to time. And we'd always be homies and we'd always link up and stuff. But, like, through the reggae scene and reggae shows, of course, I'd always be seeing him. And um, he was doing the, the Thursday nights. Uh, Gallagher's 
job for years and um actually i i lived in ob forever so like I, literally i had to walk a block away to go hang out with rifa and he'd always put me on the mic to do a little bit of like you know some some dance hall stuff so yeah i don't know it's hard to say like we're, we're just always in the jam together <laughs> yeah yeah because mm-hmm. yeah. like i can't even pinpoint I, all, all i know is i met reef first and then from there that's how i met coolie and beefy it, it kind of went hand in hand like i never saw reef without them but any of the they were always together and uh well the and beef, it's beefy yeah. like um so his older brother uh me and him used to be like uh like uh i guess you could say business partners in a way like back when uh, weed wasn't so legal and, yeah yeah and um <laughs> Um and beef, beefy beefy was like a little little fucking dude. He'd like you know have to tag along in the backseat of his brother's car and stuff, and we'd put him in front of video games. So he he always learned the hustle and how to like you know do the thing like basically by like eavesdropping on us. And then when he was old enough, I think he came to get a pound from me. His brother left some weed at my house, and and by yeah. And by that time, uh, Beefy had already put out some songs, and he was like yeah. calling himself Beefy the Butcher. And I was like, okay, let's see if he's got bars. So I was like, hey, I hear you can rap, blah blah blah. And um, I was like, let's you know, let's get into a cipher. We don't have to battle or anything. Let's just do a little cipher. And he's like, yeah, I'm down. And um, I put on a record, like a B side of a record. I think it was like some old school jam or something. And I spit a verse. He was digging the shit out of it. Uh, he spit a verse and then like boom like I think like a few weeks later we recorded a song or something like that so wait so you guys met through the brother and then from there he had to pick up a pound from you one of, one of, one of those days and yeah, then from there a couple you guys kind of mm-hmm. and then from there you guys just kind of started building oh yeah but yeah I've, then, known, like, I've known him since he was like a little dude <laughs> that's crazy right yeah yeah and then um, um his brother had a dispensary so his brother was uh doing sponsorship through trc and i linked i linked sauce his brother um to rifa and i was like yo you guys should set up flyers blah 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 do the reggae nights they'll sponsor it and they were doing that and then when beefy parted ways from working with his brother and me and uh me and beefy started doing business that's when uh when Ganja Galaxy was like in the midst when it was called San Diego World Remedies. Um, yeah, yeah, yes. That's that's yeah. when we started to old school shit. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you know, uh, Rifa, he started putting on the hip hop nights, and yes, Be- Beefy was gonna start hosting them, and he's like, "Come through." So I came through like one night after work, hopped up on the mic. I think. Uh, what is it? Destructo Bunny from Atlantis Rising was like, yo, you yeah. guys are dope. You want to come through for this two mech show? And uh, we're like, yeah. And they're like, cool, you got 30 minutes. And me and Beefy looked at each other. We're like, oh, shit. We only got like one song. <laughs> and uh, we we um, we just got to we just fucking linked up, stayed in like the same room for like a couple weeks, like smoked some weed and recorded like most of our joints, like in like seven or eight days, I think maybe almost two weeks. And then, boom! The rest is history. Just doing shows left and right. So, so beef, uh, so beefy met Rifa through his brother, and they just had their own relationship, right? Kind of like, 
like he knew Reef, not not necessarily through you, but just because you know, through the, through the brother and all that, right? All, the, all, all kind of at the same time, I think. Uh, yeah, brought it, brought they brought brought them. Uh, I think Sauce and and his brother in at the same time to meet Reefa, and I just hit Reefa up and I was like, "Yo, these dudes, they're cool." Blah blah blah. And then from that, everything was organic. And then Beefy... That's crazy. Beefy and Rifa, you know, they, they hit it off and they, they they kept doing stuff with the Ganja Galaxy shows and all that stuff. Yeah, man. L- ladies and gents, I've been in San Diego for almost 12 years. This summer will be my 12th year. And um, by the time I met Reef, I believe it had to be 2013. That's when I really started knowing these guys, like... 2013, I believe. Damn, it's a long time you know? ago. <laughs> um, and then I met Reef. So one day, I, I don't know how I ran across Reef's page. I don't know how, but he just said, um, I'm doing a hip hop night in Gallagher. Uh, uh, it's Gallagher. Yeah. Gallagher's. Yeah, Gallagher. Yeah. If you want a 15 minute set, just come through. Um, I'll give you a 15 minute set. And I went. Gave me a 15-minute set, and that's when I started meeting, uh, really started building with Ryan and um, Ramen, man. And uh, the way I see them is that, like, I owe so much to KBP because they took me under their wing. Kind of like, I didn't know anybody in San Diego in the hip-hop scene, man. And they just gave me the sh- They let me rock every single Monday night. And then we did like, that. We did that Atomic show, and a bunch of other places too. They they took me out of town to open up for DJ Babu and Two Max. They oh, got yeah, me that to show open. Was tight. They got me to open for AC for Abstract Rude and who? I mean, there's I I forgot the names of the people that went to uh, to Gallagher's and that went to uh, the Harp. There's too many to name. Oh, we had um, we had Lucky I Am from. Uh, there you go. Kids. There you go, Scarab. Scarab, Razcast. Um, Razcast. No, wait, I think had... you know. You know, I think Scarab was Atlantis Rising's thing. Um, I think Do they put fat that. Lip? Fat yeah. Lip? Yeah. No, 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 no. no. When, when, when we did that show in LA with uh, Visionaries, Fat Lip was yeah. there. Yeah. And Babu, yeah. DJ Babu, and Rock Our Signs came out. It was low key a dilated show, man. Like, yeah. I remember that shit? That show was tight. Uh, who else was there? Mike and I. Um, so and, um, was that the same show? Yeah, yeah. And I gotta say this, I gotta big it up. Yo, ladies and gents, KBP opened for Method Man and Radman at the observatory. Yeah. And we also did a festival together where we opened for Brother Ali. We oh, opened, yeah. I think we we opened for Jizza together. Yeah. Um we opened yeah. for Jizza and at the observatory. So many classic nights in San Diego, huh? Yeah, evidence and like uh was it Razcast and Farside and all those guys? Yeah, that was the, the that was, yeah. That was that that was that tour with Andre Nicotina and all that. Where um, what was it called? Back to Basics, right? Yeah, yo. Um, Necro shit, was there. Planet Necro. Um, all I know is Brother Ali came out. Man, oh yeah. Oh man. But remember, Immor- Immortal Tech Immortal Technique was there, and Immortal um, Technique came out. Uh, who else? Raskas, Keith Murray, I believe Keith Murray was on that bill. I'm pretty sure Hieroglyphics was too. Hyro was on that bill. Yep. Oh my good. That this was what? 2013? Probably. Yeah. Maybe, right? Mm-hmm. Wow, dude. So out of all the shows you rock, what stands out to you the most? What is like some of the classic shows you've done? Like 
we we like top three, top three, top three. Okay. And you'll never forget. Like yeah, I'll never forget that shit. Well, number one was when we opened up for KRS One in uh, Pacific Beach. That's that, right. That was that was legendary because he always brings people up on stage afterwards. But like, yeah, I got to freestyle with KRS One. He gave me a big fat hug afterwards because he was loving the bass. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Beefy would probably say Method Man and Red Man because like, he yeah. would, <laughs> like I'll, I'll I'll let you in on like a little secret. Like he did a somersault um, like through the mist on the stage at the uh, observatory. And it looked yeah. fucking dope and everything, but he actually tripped over his fucking shoelace, and he did a somersault and he pulled it off as and slid on his knees and like had the microphone like just stepped into his verse. It was fucking hilarious, but um he ended up selling weed to uh, Method Man that night. <laughs> yeah. Yo, and ladies and gents, like as a hip hop fan and as KBP's homies, like I remember going to that show just like being proud like wow because that show was one of the best nights in San Diego for sure for me that was number one for KVP Matt the Rad dog. probably that was the, amazing the next one after that would be um, Yasin Bay and uh, Slick oh, Rick my... we did that one wait too. at the observatory yeah yeah we opened for them most Def and Slick Rick was in the same bill yeah that shit was dope I'm pretty sure what the yeah, yeah. fuck yeah, that's stuff in, uh, Wow, what year was I do not remember them being in the same bill. Wow, really? I think it was like 2014, 2015. Let me Wow. Let me see if I can find a picture of the flyer. But I remember we we definitely did Jizza. We did Jizza together. That was dope. And, and who came out? Um it was Jizza, but then he brought some people out too and stuff. I think Killer Peace is there for a little bit, right? Yeah. Um we did a. I, I know I've done a handful of shows with a uh, uh, Del the Fun- Funky Homo Sapien. One time I yeah. uh, I snuck into his green room. I took <laughs> I took some pizza and beer because I was like, yo, they're not hooking us up, but they're hooking the main, the main cat. So I was like, I want something too. <laughs> oh my goodness! And but, and Jazz, like, go ahead, go ahead. He had like he had like mad. I, I was going in there to get beer and pizza, right? But like he had mad fruit in there. And like, like hella healthy shit. And I was like, all right, cool. Yeah. I'm, pick- I'm taking a banana. <laughs> so that's what yeah. I <laughs> And th- once upon a time, there was a life in San Diego before the pandemic. I mean, like, the observatory was off the chain. I mean, oh, I'm sorry. We the, were- the, I got, I got that Yasin Bake, uh, Slick Rick, uh, confused. Those are two separate shows. Wow. Just, but just still, to man. Put it but on still. the still. Yeah. But still, um, okay. Now, at the at the peak of the shows, I mean, shouts to Ganja Galaxy. We were doing Ganja Galaxy like shit oh, yeah. once a week, twice a week, I think. We had for sure once a week through to that too. For sure, once a week, you know. And uh, we were doing that. We did so many shows at Ganja Galaxy. We did so many shows at the Harp. We did so many shows at um, Gallagher. And what was the other one across Gallagher's? Uh, uh, come on, come on. Winston's? Uh, there you go. We did so many at Winston's. Uh, we did some downtown. Atomic Atomic, is it Atomic Dog? Or... Yeah, we did Atomic. A few spots in the Chula Vista. Um, yes, we did. What's, the, what's that one spot where they where they do the punk rock versus hip hop? That's the, the Tower Bar. That, one, yeah. that spot's dope, too. 
Um, so actually, many, so many memories, you know. Actually, me and Beefy, we got booked up at a show one time, at a gay bar. We didn't even know until after the show, <laughs> after our set. And like, and I'm seeing the crowd come in. And I'm like, oh shit! I see where we're at. <laughs> Beefy's Beefy's all stoned and fucking like hella drunk. And I'm and like we finish our last song, and I'm like. I'm like, hey man, what's it like to uh, what's it like to have played uh, your first gay bar? And he's like, what? And I was like, look around. And he's like, oh shit. <laughs> and he just started laughing. But there was plenty of time. They, I'll say that bar was dope. They had really nice cocktails. It was funny. And there was, and there was plenty of times. Me and uh, me and Cooley would just be driving around San Diego, freestyling like. I'd pick him up on my lunch break, you know, pick him up on my lunch break. I got like a two hour gap before my next client. Go pick get some him weed. up, have, have a sesh, freestyle in the crib, freestyle in the car, mm-hmm. listen to some new beats. And they kept me busy, man. I mean, they kept me busy. Like, it gave me a reason to keep the sword sharp, it gave me a reason to, like, just keep rehearsing keep performing keep keep polishing the craft you know and that meant a lot to me and i don't think i'd be where i am if, if it wasn't for kbp they were oh, crucial no nah, you were crucial. you're you're constantly making moves like you're a, you're an actor you're fucking helping out kids like on the regular you're doing your music you got mad creative outlets so i think that would have found its way out somehow thank you man i appreciate that like I, you never forget the people that was helping you out when nobody wasn't. You know, That's what's you, up. you don't, you don't forget the people that was booking you when everybody was fronting. Mm-hmm. You don't, you just don't forget that, and you, you keep in touch for life. We keep in touch for life through the ups and downs, right? That's what's up. Through yeah, the ups and downs. Whether people move out of state, move out of country, people keep in touch. Oh, uh, yeah. all right. So, like, yo, everybody was grinding. Now, I want to talk about this because I, I didn't even ask you, like. What made you at San Diego and teach English in Thailand? Like, what made that? When did you start formulating that decision, dude? Because that was drastic. That was like, holy shit! Like, what? Like, what? <laughs> so that's yeah. that's like a that's actually a random story. I didn't I didn't plan to teach, but um. <laughs> so, so like the last few years before like um, uh, Mike Check Mondays uh, started to like uh, slow down and stuff. Like, um, yeah. it only really slowed down like the last, last half a year or something. But like, anyway, um, the last few years I moved to actually, uh, to Baja, California. That's right. That's right. I yeah. And that. I was, I remember that. I was living out there. I had a fucking dope pad. I was like, I was loving like, you know, eating tacos. I had a little company where I was taking people on uh, secret craft, uh, craft beer tours. And then, um, and then I had like, um, I hate to say it, but, you know, it kind of makes sense because I was living in Mexico. I had, like, a little Mexican standoff with my ex-girlfriend over yeah. who gets to keep the property yeah. um, that we were staying on. And um, she was a little crazy, so I said, you know what, fuck it. And uh, Mike, Mike Check Mondays, had I just got a call from Rifa, and he said, you know, some, some one of the one of the guests pulled some dumb shit, and we and they uh, that, that got our contract pulled at the bar. Um, yeah. So anyway, I was like, it didn't really have an anchor at the um, into San Diego at the moment, except for you know like doing shows with KVP. So I was like, well, I'm gonna put that on break because we've been doing you know 
constant, constant shows like every week, every month yeah, for like, almost like stop. seven years or something. And um, so I, I decided to uh, go visit some family and I worked out in a factory over in Soledad, California for like two months because I had like some money stacked up. Just wanted to get a little more because I was like, I feel like traveling. And um, I found a cheap ticket to Bangkok. I flew out to Thailand and um, I actually still had no plan to teach or anything. Um, I, I, I became a volunteer at a hostel. And the owner and her boyfriend, who was basically like the, uh, the operator of the hostel, he liked the way um, I was organized and running things. So he made me the manager, gave me a private room and like a small salary. And wow. while I was working there, you know, partying it up, hanging with, um, you know, all kinds of people from different parts of the world, trying all That's kinds awesome. of great food. Um, while I was there, um, the owner's boyfriend, uh, shout out to uh, Daniel, he, um, he came up to me and he's like, hey, we need a teacher to finish out um, the uh, to finish out like the last so many months. I think it was like four or five months of school. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And um, they checked my qualifications. I went and got like a Tesla um, certificate and um, got set up to work at a university. It's an international university. So they teach like kindergarten through, you know, your master's or your PhD or whatever you want to finish off with. And um, they just threw me in the English department and I'm teaching like kindergarten through 11th grade. And that was like really overwhelming, but I was liking it. because you know, I got this like, pretty nice income because in thailand it's a uh, uh foreign teachers they get paid like three times more than uh the average salary wow. um yeah and uh that doesn't come out to much here in the u.s <laughs> but like um over That's there awesome, the, you get like a really dope pad um you're living above your means you got money to travel and you're in a buddhist uh well i was in a buddhist uh, uh country so there's a lot of holidays and then it's also a royal country so like anytime the king or one of his family members had a birthday like the whole country shuts down for the day um meaning i didn't have to work so i could just fly off to a nearby country and hang out there for a little bit um it was really cool but uh hell yeah but like i said it was overwhelming so i just i finished out the um the i'm having a brain fart it's a the semester sorry I i finished out the semester at the university and then I just took on another job at the high school where I just was teaching uh, 8th and 11th grade English and that was actually like probably one of the coolest most life-changing things because you're you're dealing with 900 kids a day each kid's got their own personality uh you're teaching them and you're trying to figure out like a way to get through to them and not be just like any other foreign teacher trying to teach them English you know Mm -hmm. um so I had a class one of my 11th grade classes which was considered like the worst class in the whole school it's like all the jock kids and kids with the worst grades got lumped up into one class and um that was my class so i walk in the the cool kid in class is like "Ooh, teacher blah 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 like talking talking a little bit of trash because i walked in listening to hip-hop uh on my phone and he's like teacher is a rapper blah 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 i was like actually yeah i am like you want a battle and the whole class was like "Ooh." And, uh, you know, he's he's feeling like a little bit of a, a tear in his ego. So he's like, yeah, let's battle. He puts on like a trap beat. He starts rapping in Thai and like everybody's laughing. So I can tell he's talking shit about me. <laughs> and, uh, um, and then he stops 
and I don't give it like a half a second and I just kill the rest of the song like two and a half minutes just like <laughs> like politely dissing him and saying it slow enough for my students to understand and, <laughs> and uh, all my students whipped out their cameras so like the next day at school I walk into school like the whole entire school had seen it on Instagram or something I don't know where to find it but um the whole entire school sees it so everyone's walking up to me like i'm a celebrity they're like teacher uh, teacher rap god teacher rap god because like uh, eminem's the only white rapper that they know and shit <laughs> and, uh, yeah um and my hair is also long which is weird for a white teacher out there everybody's usually very formal and uh so they're calling me teacher jesus teacher rap god <laughs> and um i just uh i ended up teaching lessons english lessons through hip-hop i'd find like you know what we were doing in the lesson plan pick a day that we're gonna do it walk in and try to like teach the lesson or the paragraph or whatever or like uh uh the writing assignment in like a hip-hop format because i'm like okay we're gonna learn how to speak formal but we're also gonna learn how to talk to people on the street when we when we see them like how we how we're gonna talk to them when we're with our friends yeah but at the same time it helped it helped them be more creative because instead of just writing a sentence like i see a dog you know and just like being lazy with the language class i'm like all right today everybody's gonna t uh, pair off and you guys are gonna have a rap battle in front of everyone in class yeah and, and kids in asia are super competitive so they all get to writing i give them like 20 minutes they just put their fucking pen to the paper and yeah. uh, and boom i have them doing it in english and like they're like is it okay if we use some words in time like yeah just use the bad words so i don't hear yeah. you know? <laughs> 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 It was really cool, though. I had a lot of fun out there. Hell yeah. I remember... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Like, you went to Mexico first. I remember that. Like, you were still keeping in touch. And then... Then, then you went. How many years were you out there in Thailand? About a year and a half. It seems so much longer. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. That's I mean, a long time. That's a long time, dog. A year and a half? That's a long time still, dude. Oh, uh, it, it was. I got to... Got to teach like two two uh two segments of students. Um, got to like learn like a whole entire culture. Went to like about I think nine other countries, and um, that's the one thing I tried to do while I was out there. Like one, find the hip hop scene. So I got to rap on a Kochong Island. Had a freestyle battle in a, a Bangkok. I became an honorary DJ when I was in Laos. I just like walked in at the right moment. Some guys like you want to hear a song. It was like right when things like were starting to pop off before like the bar got busy. Yeah, and I was and I was like, well, these three songs would go good together. And he's like, he's like, oh, people like that. How about you keep playing? And I was like, okay, cool. Just <laughs> made that a hip hop night. And um, yeah, that's the cool thing. Like when you find something that you're focused on or uh, something that uh, that draws your desire. No matter where yeah, you go, man. it's always going to attract to you, you know? <laughs> Ryan is just a walking hip-hop, uh, I don't know, just the hip-hop gravitates towards him, whatever, wherever he's at. Um, <laughs> let me ask you this. And so, you were out there, I remember keeping in touch with you, even when you was out there, right. and then you, you came back home for a little bit, and we were so happy, like, oh shit, you're back! And then, like, and then you were back in San Diego for how long? Like, um, I don't know, like five months, something like that. Yeah. And then what, <laughs> what made you leave again? So um, I didn't actually plan to come back to the U.S. Uh, COVID happened. So um, that ended That's my... That's right! 
that ended my teaching contract. So I just flew back out and um, I picked up a job at a smoke shop. So I don't go from teaching and being like the educational guy writing like, you know, uh, midterm exams and stuff like that and and, uh, and finals and um, to like selling bongs, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> but, you know, got to find some kind of work while it's COVID. <laughs> and, uh um, that's right i remember this it was covid right when you came home yeah we did um i did i actually walked up to uh winston's because my buddy that i was uh that i was renting a spot from he's like hey there's a hip-hop show at winston's i didn't look at the bill anything uh beefy was there um, um and uh i just i was like hey what's up so they, they're like yo fucking get on stage we did a quick little thing and then winston's like shut down like the next day and uh, wow. and then um uh and then I think we didn't we didn't do nothing. I just kept working, uh head down to the ground, like saving up some cash and stuff, and uh then uh Reefa's birthday popped off and then we all linked up again. Yup, yup, that's yep. You were you were there, we were doing the the, the live, live show on the internet. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then from there, that's the last time I see Ryan. Then um I got yeah, I got yeah. called off. One of my boys that uh, lives up in the mountains, um, he's a he's a professional grower, and um, he gave me a little a little farm job where I was trimming up some buds, helping on the farm and stuff like that. And you're like, fuck it, I'm out of here, huh? Yeah, I was like, fuck it, let's go to the the wild. And um, little did I know, because like you know, it's, I'm all fresh back into Cali, so I'm not really paying attention to the news or anything aside from like the pandemic uh that the the whole fucking state's on fire except for our spot that's uh growing <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it worked out because when i when i got there i found um i met <laughs> i met i met the lady that i'm with currently uh shout, shout to the queen yeah Brittany. um she's shout cool she's from the east coast so like um you know we're trimming everybody's being formal like so you know smoked a little bit of weed let's get to work and um i'm like yo do you mind if i play some music I, I throw on some hip hop, like old school, like late eighties, early nineties jams. And I keep peeking over, you know, uh, to, to the other end of the room. And I see Britney just, uh, you know, uh, lip syncing all the lyrics, like to like some really dope tracks, like fucking mob deep and, uh, like, outcast and like some cool oh, shit. shit. I'm like, oh, what? She knows her shit. Um, yeah, so man. she already tickled my fancy at that point. I was just like, now nah, I gotta get to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we fell in love, like, I think on Halloween. And, um, yeah, I I followed her back to the East Coast. Couldn't find a hip-hop scene out there because COVID was, like, deep. It was happening. So Where in the uh, East Coast are you from? uh, She's she's from, um, actually, uh, Massachusetts. So we were were cutting through uh, Boston and a couple of the the states, like, the nearby states in the area, like Rhode Island and, like, stuff like that. But um, man, it was, it's such a culture shock out there. Like, it's cool because there's there's a lot of history, you know, American history and all that stuff. Uh, but then it's also it's like this whole different vibe. Like, you know, I'm I love my East Coast hip hop and and stuff, but I'm a West Coast kid, you know. <laughs> um, so I'm not used to like just everyone like being like kind of kind of in their head, like al- allowing the. Uh, allowing the weather to dictate their personality for the day you know um and it's very cold out there if you know what i'm talking about yeah <laughs> but I, it's really cool i like the place there's great food 
they got that Italian vibe out there. There's a lot of Portuguese people, su super cool. They keep that familia thing going. And I think that's really tight. But yeah, you know, even, even Brittany can't stay in the cold for too long. So we had to hike it back to California. That's why we're over here in Sacktown right now. So let me ask you this, dog. Um, how did you get involved with the Temple of Hip Hop? Temple of Hip Hop? Um, well, that's like a that's like a strange situation. So like, um, the first time I went to a KRS One show, so I, I went to like two or three KRS One shows before I ever got to perform with him. And he's always been like one of my number one uh, MCs that I go to for listening to. Of course, he's the teacher, right? Um, but the first show I went to was in Eureka, California, up in Humboldt. And um, I was living out there at the time, um, actually with, uh, with, with Beefy's brother. <laughs> um, and I was out there. I went to the show. At the time, I was... Uh, I love meat right now. But at the time, I was uh, very vegetarian, super organic, eating grass, basically. And I'm drinking some kind of beer. And this dude's telling me about the beer and how they use, like, bone marrow in it. And that kind of, like, made me a little queasy. So I walked outside and uh, just get a little air, smoke some weed. And this, like, I think it was, like, a, a Honda or, like, an Acura or something like that pulls up to the, like, all hella quick. And Karis One was supposed to start, like, I don't know, like, 20 or 30 minutes ago. Everyone thought he was already there. Um, this car pulls up. He hops out of the passenger seat. Karis One, he's, like, tall, like a giant and I'm, I see him walking, like going to walk in the door. And um, I was doing some research with a couple people, this guy who claims to be like the world's foremost expert on symbolism and stuff like that. And like ancient societies. Anyway, um, KRS-One has connection to that guy. And um, his name is Jordan Maxwell. And I, I see KRS-One going in the door and I'm trying to think like, how am I going to say what's up to this guy? You know, like. So I'm like, yo, Chris. <laughs> and, like, <he's, laughs> and, and like, he turns around with a big smile and, he, and I'm all like, yo, uh, big up from the Jordan Maxwell crew. And he's like, oh, it's like that. And I was like, hell yeah, it's like that. And he like pulls me and gives me a big hug. And he's like, we're going to talk about some topics just like that tonight. So stay tuned in or something hella smooth. And I'm like, word. And I, uh, I stayed up in the front, front row the whole ass show. And at the end of the show, he mentioned uh, some, some terms like uh, flow, which I always kept in my head, uh, F-L-O-W, which means follow life's outcome willingly. And uh, some of his definitions that he, I, I came to later find out that he formed with Nina Simone uh, for like words like hip hop, H-I-P-H-O-P. Uh, her infinite power helps oppressed people, H-I-P-H-O-P, uh, stuff right. like that. So from there, I, I, I looked up KRS-One. I geeked out on him online. And uh, I found the Temple of Hip Hop. And then right. I found out that they were doing telephone conferences where you could call in, you type in this little number, like a code, and they put the number up like once a week or once a month or something like that. And uh, you could tune in. And I, you could tune in to all these people around the U.S. It was like those, you remember like the 90s when you could like do a party call? Yeah. Yeah, kind of like that. But we would tune in and we would read uh, uh, the gospel of hip-hop written by KRS-One. Sometimes his uh, son would be tuned in on the phone. Sometimes he would tune in for like a couple minutes. Most of the time it would be like someone like Sun One or a couple other uh, people in his crew uh, currently. But um, 
but yeah, we'd all we'd all come up. We'd we'd talk about uh, the the tenets of hip hop, what it means, um, not just as a music, as a product to be sold, but as a as a lifestyle, yeah. as, some, as something to do, as something to uh, live by. And I, I think Harris one says something like, uh, uh, "Rap is something you do. Hip hop is something you live." So the temple of hip hop better uh, uh to say to say it simply is um a, a guidelines of how to live by hip-hop without disrespecting its roots and where it came from nice let me ask you this dog um how did a temple of hip-hop influence you in your in your writing as far as like writing rhymes or writing songs well i've always loved like uh like like dope MCs, like uh, you know, like Most Def, uh, Common, AC Alone from Freestyle Fellowship, uh, people that have like a wordplay, but also have like something to say about it. You know, uh, of course, very much like what Karis One does for a living. And um, when I started doing hip hop, I always wanted to have like a conscious approach to it. Mm. So um, you can always hear that in my lyrics somewhere, even if it's like some hood shit or something a little a uh, little more on the rough side it's still gonna have an air of wisdom behind it or i try to have that and when i discovered the temple of hip-hop and what it stood for and, and uh started to talk to some of the people that represent that uh, organization i was like hey yo this resonates with me that's what i'm about it's yeah. just they had a they had a format to it and i was like okay that's cool yeah um but i wouldn't say like um it changed my lyrical style or anything like that yeah. uh, that was always there it's just uh that's just like connecting two uh two puzzle pieces you know um at some point uh were you also affiliated with zulu um so with the zulu nation that's very much like uh, a lot like a, a fraternal order um yeah. in, in the sense like it's very much very similar to like freemasonry so like you can become an initiate and then you become an, a, mem a member after like you've studied the green book and go through like some tests and stuff. So with Zulu Nation, I made it through uh, the initiatic process. And as far as that point, um, I kind of fell off on like uh, staying with the organization for some political reasons. And then, yeah. and then also because of... Uh, you know, I, like I said, it's a lot like a like a Freemasonic order or something. So they have like a, you know, you got to you got to pay your dues, but you also have to pay your your like your your monthly subscription. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, damn, bro, I got a lot of bills. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I got the wisdom right here. I'll hold that until I'm ready for more. <laughs> but uh, I very much uh, respect the 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 zulu nation and what they stand for they're a lot like the five percenters so they're very community oriented they hold like a sacred wisdom but they also uh, put it to the streets so that sacredness doesn't become ancient it stays ancient but it also stays current you know what i'm saying um you find that in their music you find that in their actions their art their business endeavors and uh that's something i can respect but like i said look, there's political stuff where I don't really want to be involved in until things are sorted. <laughs> no doubt. Um, I must, you know, I, I, I got to bring it up. It's It's been an issue, in, you know, for us hip-hop heads, we look at these guys, those are heroes, you know, 
player. as our founding fathers or forefathers. And yeah. we bet a lot of people benefited off the hip hop culture, whether it's through monetary or just even their self esteem. It gave us, it gave a lot of us a, a, an identity to belong in something. And uh, I got to bring it up. Like, what's your thoughts on Africa Bavada and the accusations going on? And I know that Care Ass One caught a lot of heat when he did Drink Champs because he said what he said. But I just want to know what you think, you know? Well, first of all, when he said what he said, I feel like a lot of people threw heat at KRS One by way of misinterpretation. Like all KRS One said is the same thing. Like that, I'd probably like that. I'm probably gonna say in a second is that he's like, well, first of all, that's his friend. That's not even my homie. Like Africa Bambada, that's just somebody I looked up to, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's his. That's his friend and shit. And um, and he's like, I don't want to pass any judgment until all the facts are out. And that's cool. Like, I get that. Like, I, I don't know why he got so much, like, Karis one got so much heat thrown at him for that. It's like, you know, if, if someone was like, yo, Marlon D's a murderer. Oh, yeah. I, I'd be like, well, I don't know. He's pretty cool. So let me, yeah, let me wait till the verdict's out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's kind of my, that's, that's my approach to it. It's like, uh, I don't want to pass any judgment on anybody. Um, for something they may or may not have done but you know yeah. somebody, but if africa bambata did you know uh abuse people through his power in the zulu nation i think that's uh that's not cool and regardless of you being a really dope um artist icon you, uh, yeah an icon a, a, a pioneer and the a founding this, father literally founding father, yeah found, like yeah founding father in the scene it's like regardless of all of that power um you should never use it to uh take away from somebody else's innocence mm -hmm. and uh the zulu nation's always been like an organization that helps people stand up when they are not in a position to so if a member of that group is doing something that you know is oppressing instead of uplifting that's not cool um but at the same time I don't know if that actually happened yet. So yeah. when we find out and see the facts, that's when I can say, hey, that's not cool, bro. Or see, I told you so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I don't even know what's happening. I feel like the case stopped. Like there's nobody talking about it no more. I don't know what happened. I don't know if people got silenced or... Uh, as far as I like, know... It's um, not in the news anymore. What's, is there any update? Like, As far as I know, Bam uh, is like... Um, fighting it suspended from the Zulu nation uh, so he doesn't have any acting power or positions he, he's probably still yeah. able to like attend meetings and stuff yeah but um uh with the with the legal the legal stuff I, I couldn't say I don't know I haven't really been following it yeah I mean I follow a lot of uh, social media outlets that are you know hip-hop news and mm -hmm. no 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 one has said nothing about it and as a matter of fact, by the time KRS did uh, Drink Champs, it was brought up out of nowhere only because KRS brought it up, you know? Like, yeah. It, be it became a controversy again when Nori asked KRS what was his thoughts. But prior to that, it kind of got quiet. Like, no one's talking about it no more. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, yo. That's know. typically a bad thing. So it's like, anything right? that gets anything that gets aired out or surfaced should stay in the air. Until... Right? Until it's like, you know, clearly defined. <laughs> right. 
um, as far as facts. Shit, we don't even. Where are the facts? Bring the yeah. facts. You know, we don't even know. But God bless to all those who were affected by that by by that legal action and the families and the individuals who got who got hurt. You know, if it did happen. Word. So, but me being a troll in hip hop. I've been doing my research myself. Uh, there's a lot of uh, YouTubers that are interviewing uh, Bronx Bronx residents, and what the people from the Bronx is saying that it's been happening for years. And they Damn. say that they say the Bronx people they know about it, but no one really said nothing as the years went on. So they say for Bronx people, this is nothing new. Rumors have been going around since the 70s, 80s that he's like that. But I guess hip hop does a great job covering it up, and stuff like this makes me not proud of the culture sometimes. You know, I don't know how you feel like as a hip hop head, right, Ryan? When people die, people get shot, people get caught up in violence. Like, don't you feel kind of ashamed of our culture sometimes? Like, damn, we suck, right? Well, like, yes, yes, and no. So, like, it's that's that's hard to like comment on. But like, first of all, like. Uh, I don't. I don't think hip hop covered anything up. That's that's a that's a thing. Somebody involved in hip hop was yeah. potentially doing and was able to push it under the rug while right. they pursued hip hop. Um, but when you know, like when when you like the '90s or even now, like when fools are having like uh, drug overdoses or uh, people are getting shot over silly shit, I I can only be as proud or ashamed as I would be of any other country or uh, community or civilization that's first getting its uh, getting onto its feet because you have to consider uh, hip-hop is worldwide hip-hop right. is its music and it is an industry but it's also a lifestyle it's a fashion it's a clothing it's a way of talking it's a it's a music and it's a culture so when you look at a culture a culture is going to have both spectrums you're always going to have uh both spectrums and and every end of each spectrum um in that culture so you're going to have all the worst of the things all the best of the things and everything else in the middle so like i can only be as proud as something as as i would be like maybe of my own kid watching him like get into his uh you know make his own first mistakes as long as we're growing from it as a as a culture as long as we're learning from it we're not just recycling or follow uh, re-stepping in the same paths that don't really lead to or amount to much then i think we're doing good in the hip-hop scene yeah and what were you saying again? You said something like it wasn't somebody from hip hop that covered this up. It was someone else that was involved in hip hop that swept it under the rug. Can, can well, you elaborate on that? Well, yeah. yeah. So, uh, um, you know, Bam's being accused of something. Right. Bam Bam is a pioneer of hip hop. He's a, right. He's 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 actually you know one of the guys who helped you know break up all the gangs and stuff and organize yeah. for peace. That's why hip hop started. You know. Um, but at the same time, he has a personal life. Yeah. It's, that's that's kind of like when you get into like Michael Jackson or uh, Bill Cosby. It's like Bill Cosby was like, a, a, was I'm going to say, because I don't know what he's doing currently. Um, but like uh, he, he was big in, in uh, activism, like uh, so, like social justice, equal rights. Like uh, um, he, he was involved in like all sorts of uh, programs for 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 community and people and stuff like that but then also he's got this 
you know, personal life that don't seem too comical. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, that's that's like that's always been the question: like, where do you draw the line between an artist's personal life and their input on a culture that their art greatly impacts? You know. Mm. Um, and then and then it's like and then you're like how do we know if that great music or that stuff that he brought to the culture that we're inspired by could have potentially been inspired uh, through inspired through some of his you know uh, unjust deeds when if when or if something like that comes out that's when you have to start to think but until then hip-hop's organic in my opinion uh it's 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 a like i said it's a culture so it's growing it's like a tribe but first we start you know with stones and then we start fucking with wheels and now we got machines and mechanics you know and uh, we just build from there so you think it's someone else outside of hip-hop that's responsible for kind of like sweeping this news under the rug right well i just i just think uh the the secondary face of whatever person who's involved in hip-hop so let's say bam for example he has that se- he has a second face. His he has that one face of hip hop, but then he has yeah. that whoever he is um, off the stage. Right, 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 right. And I I don't want uh, people to get those two those two lanes mixed up because like I don't know he's he's a great artist. You know he's a, he's a he's a great organizer for peace and yeah. that's why the Zulu Nation kept him involved with their their endeavors and stuff for so long. But at the same time, if he is sketchy and was able to keep things quiet and blah, 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 you also have to look at the community, the immediate community, not the hip hop community, but the immediate community. Because you said you were watching videos and stuff. People said they knew about this. Well, it's like, mm-hmm. well, then why didn't you say anything? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right, so. right, right. It's kind of like what you're saying is his life outside of hip hop is the people that should be responsible bring this bringing this up front yeah but if you don't want to bring it up front then that's your bad too if you're not trying to bring it up front you got to bring it up front bring it out you know like yeah and if people know and if his personal life got merged or mixed up with you know affecting people in hip-hop or involved in hip-hop or the culture of hip-hop then and that does get aired out like it has then it has to stay in the air like i said until we know what exactly went down um and then and then in that sense as a hip-hop community or as a hip-hop culture i think we should really we should support artists that fuck up whether they're doing something sketchy like that or doing too many drugs or you know uh on the sidelines being you know murderous or something like that if we're a hip-hop culture then we have to we have to treat the people in hip hop like our family. So, you know, support yeah. them to do better. <laughs> I think there's a level of protection. I think a lot of a lot of hip hop media outlets, I think, are choosing not to report it. I got I gotta I gotta be honest. This is my two cents. I think it's just my opinion. I think there's a lot of hip hop publications like Double XL magazine, hiphopdx.com. Uh, I think I think they're choosing not not to like shed any more light on this, you know? Well, you know what yeah. I'm saying like, well, you you also have to consider this too, though. Like these magazines, as much as they represent our culture, they also represent dollars. So mm. they're, I'm they not saying fuck with that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that they're getting paid off, but uh, no disrespect to like Bam or anything, but like, how relevant is he today? Like, how many people in the youth actually understand what his input 
was in hip hop because that's always been an issue with hip hop. We don't pay the old school or the pioneers as much respect as like maybe rock stars or fans of rock and roll do to rock stars from the past. So like these kids these days might not even know who Bam is. So writing an article about him would just get flipped over or maybe not even picked up off of the shelf. Yeah. And I think that's the thing when when they're doing stuff, especially with the internet and clickbait, you write something about Bam, well, who's going to click on it? The old school heads, and that's it. And that's only like, yeah. what, how many million people? <laughs> true that, true that. It's kind of like the lack of sense of history may not, you know, it, it may fall in deaf ears, right? Like, yeah. you guys don't even know the impact of Africa Bombada, man. No so, way. So why would you care about his scandal? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, um, I, but at the same time, they should. If you're gonna say you love hip hop and you're part of hip hop, then like anything, if you if you love skateboarding, then fucking learn about yeah. Tony Hawk and all those dudes or whatever. Um, yeah. But like, you should probably learn the roots of it so that when you get up into the branches, you know how sturdy you are. You know. Speaking of the community, and um, you know, I just wanna before we wrap this interview up, a couple more questions, like. Work. I know this is a new phase in your life, being a father. How does it feel, man? What can you say about being a father these days? How has well, it changed you? I'm, I'll, I'll say this. Like, I've always wanted to be a father, low-key, since I was a kid, even. But, like, I, I will say one thing. I'm really happy I got to be a teacher. have to deal with 900 kids a week. Because now when I focus and I, and I bring my presence to my one kid, I can be 100%. And I think that's, like, really amazing. But being a father is probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. And it slowed me down a little bit on the creative side, but I've still been able to put on some shows out here. And yes, week. you have. And I'm still doing some live stuff every time I get a chance, and I think that's cool. Amen. It's always a hip-hop head at heart. Always an, always an artist at heart, no matter what phase you are in life. That, that's, that's amazing. Um... Let me ask you this. Uh, what would be your advice, top three advice for upcoming artists in San Diego? Like for coming from somebody who's who's been in the scene for for so many years consistently, like what can you what offer what can, what advice can you offer for the younger generation in San Diego that's that's gonna get in this music business? Top three advice. Uh, number one is uh, stick stick to your stick to your plan. Uh, don't don't try to follow a bunch of other people's things. Uh, don't don't get pulled away from uh, your original idea. Always be open to um, having that original idea crafted and refined, but don't let anybody hijack that. Uh, just stick to your plan. I've always done that. And it's always worked out for me. Secondary to that, um, yeah, it's cool to be have that social media presence and build all that because that's what everyone's doing. But figure out your local fan base and take yeah. care of them show them the love that they deserve and you'll always get that love back if you want to yeah. see people at your show well guess what they're probably not on your soundcloud page uh they're probably in your neighborhood so go talk to those guys yeah. that's gonna that's gonna keep you relevant that's gonna keep you active in your community your community will take care of you if you show them the love and then third whatever you're doing whether it's music art or clothing or something like that make sure you're doing it for a reason not just for a financial uh, uh pursuit make it part of you as long as it's part of you it'll never fall off you know amen um as far as um marketing 
what are your advice for, for artists who are trying to market themselves in 2022? Oh man, I'm horrible with that. Um, yeah. Personally, uh, for, for marketing, make sure that you're connected with the youth. If you're a young artist, you already have a great outlet for that. Uh, if you're uh, if you're an artist just out of college or above that, like in our age group, then that's a little harder. So sit down with some kids, figure out what they're doing, where they're finding out how to get to a show, what shows they're going to, and what venues they're interested in. That's the best way to do it. Stay connected. Um, if you're connected, you'll always have a way to market yourself and. You know, I always loved doing the street team thing. I loved passing out flyers, leaving them at my favorite spots, leaving them at like smoke shops, my favorite bars, my favorite restaurants, things like that. Um, and Beefy and Rifa, they had that whole internet game on lockdown, so social media, all those things. You have to stay relevant. You have to do it all the time. That's its own work. But as long as it's not taking away from your creative aspect, your your building of your own self and whatever your product is then stay focused on that and be on top of it every day because if you slip for like a week you become irrelevant what was it like harris one said it's like even the even the artists that used to rip shop will sell for a nickel at the thrift shop or something like that so it's just uh you know stay stay relevant Mm -hmm. oh okay so let me let me ask you this now I ask all my MCs a questionnaire and see which one they, they prefer. Uh, all right, Let, let's start with production. All right, Primo or D- or Pete Rock? Oh, that's hard. Um, man, I like Primo just because. Yeah. There's there's more. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's easier to rhyme on his stuff. First of all, um, not 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 to say that like. Pete Rock is like all over the place or anything like that. It's just uh, there's something about uh, premiere stuff that has that soul that inspires you to keep going with the dope track. Um, no disrespect to premiere because he's got tracks that do that all day long too. But um, yeah, premiere is probably my shit. That's that's always been my favorite because Gangstar is something like I think we all grew up with. Oh, so man. so premiere has always been in your ear. Aside from all the other dope ass productions he's done with like all the dope ass MCs from up to now. I I feel like Premier redefined East Coast and the most the most interesting is he ain't from there. He's from Texas. Yeah. But I think he redefined what what East what what we think of what East Coast boom bap is, I think of him and maybe Rizza. It's a tie between Primo and Rizza, you know? Um, I like I like Rizza's production, but at the same time like you got shout out to the West Coast and all the stuff we did too. Like we got Dre and Dilla and all kinds of like crazy ass artists. Even stepping out of hip hop, it's still like on the curb. You have like Flying Lotus and crazy shit like that. Um, let me, uh huh. You know that stuff's that stuff's all inspiring too. Let me ask you this. All right. Um, so Rizza or Primo? Oh man, I don't know. Uh, like if That's I had to, if I had to do a production with someone, it'd probably be with RZA. All right, check it out. KRS or Cool G Rap? For what? Like a preference or just preference? Who you think was a better artist? Well, they both 
have had their uh, their input in, in history of hip hop, but in terms of who's who's making an impact still, it's going to be Karis. One like that guy, I think he's got the largest discography in hip hop. Big Daddy Kane and Rockham. Mm, Rockham. Most Def or Talib? Most Def. Straight nice. up. Everyone says that too. Everyone says that. Well, um, with, well, not not to get involved or anything, but that whole like him beefing with Project Blow and even talking shit uh, about Rick Scales. Did you, did you see him talking shit to Rick Scales in the comments? Who? Fucking Talib Kweli. I didn't see that one. No, oh, no. man, it's it's corny, but it's not even worth bringing up. But, like, goddamn, next time you see Rick bring it up, be like, hey, what the fuck's all that shit about? I'm sure it'll, you'll, you'll get a that. laugh. You know, as a, everyone yeah. in hip-hop knows Talib Kweli's, like, hip-hop's troll. He, he's the internet troll. So. Yeah, that's crazy, right? <laughs> he, he's um, very easily triggered, and that's much as I'll say, because I'm white, so I'm sure if you ever heard this, he just... Call me a racist or something. <laughs> yeah, whatever. It's all good. Um, let me. Uh, all right, tribe or Dela? Oh, tribe. Cool. Dmx or Busta? I'm gonna say Busta Rhymes. I Ooh. like. I love Dmx. Like he's he's poetic and all that, but like Busta Rhymes, he's he's just always there, and that he's actually like when I first heard Dmx as like one of like I said in the beginning of the interview I was like someone who inspired me with rap I also first heard Busta Rhymes like that dude was on the radio yeah was that uh, I can't remember that song it's like alright top it. top three members of Wu-Tang mm, well Jizz is my favorite nice uh, above all Jizz is my favorite um, then I would have to move over to Inspect a Deck and then Method Man Cool. Ghostface or Raekwon? Oh, that's that's hard. Uh, well, Ghostface was cool to me, so uh, I'm gonna say Ghostface. He gave me like five grams of uh, like his version of Moon Rocks one time when I met when he did a show for us backstage. I was like, "Hey, what's up, man? Thanks for doing the show." He's like, "Oh, here, have some of this." I think he handed me like a glass of Cavassier, which was like super old school and hilarious in the first place, and then. Uh, and, and then like a bag of weed and I was like thanks <laughs> that was fucking awesome let me ask you this uh, Jadakiss or Fabulous uh, Jadakiss nice um, let me see Jay-Z or Nas Nas straight up nice Nas or Biggie um oh that's hard um I'm, I'm just gonna say like for nostalgia purposes Biggie <laughs> yeah 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 we never got a chance to see Biggie grow he got robbed quick you know like like he, he died at 24 we never got a chance to see Biggie make his third fourth fifth sixth album you know oh, he yeah. died at two albums so I always think what would have happened you know if, if we got a chance to see Biggie grow where would he be you know what, what lyrically where he where would he be at because by the time the second album came out, he was he was already iconic. Um, His wordplay is dope, and like aside from like all the there's there's like some rumor that he bit some lyrics or whatever, um, whatever. I don't know if that's true or not, but his wordplay has always been dope, and I've always loved it. It's very it's, it's it always like uh, it's very buttery, you know. Yeah, I love that shit. That sounds that, that's 
probably like one of my favorite lines if you don't know now you know right <laughs> amen all right let's take it back to the west coast all right okay snoop or ice cube snoop okay uh, uh ice cube or easy um i'm gonna say ice cube <laughs> all right too short or e40 too short <laughs> e40 will get on your nerves after a while <laughs> D- uh, Daz or Corrupt? Daz. Wow, really? Yeah. I was hoping you'd take Corrupt. I, I, I don't know why I would... That's just, I don't know why. I, I thought you would take Corrupt. Everybody bumped Corrupt, though. Like, So I was, I was always like one of those dudes who's like, oh, I'm going to play this then. So like, yeah. Uh, Delix or Dog Pound? Dog Pound. Ooh. Just because I got All to right. meet them when I was like a kid. J-Rock or Kendrick Lamar? Uh, probably Kendrick. Um, you Wait, wait, you met Dog Pound when you were young? Yeah. Where at? It was backstage at, like, the show. So, like, um, I think I was in, like, sixth grade or seventh grade. But, like, my buddy JB, his uncle, uh, used to produce shows, like, concerts, like, really big ones. And, um... That was like a show he got us to backstage. Uh, they were opening for some some other act, and that was like a month before, a couple months before um, he got us backstage at the Up and Smoke tour. So like I was like seventh grade, got to go to that um, and go kick it with like Dre and all those guys backstage. What really? Yeah, that show was cool. The only person I, was... I didn't meet was Eminem because he wouldn't come out from the green room. Why not? I'm sure he was having his own type of fun. <laughs> yeah. How how was Dre? How was Dre like in person? Uh, Dre was like, oh, so that was like a quick meeting. He seemed like real cool, co- like collected, but also kind of like busy. Um, met like the uh, like Ice Cube, the West Siders, or I don't know, was it the East Siders? I can't remember because I'm stoned right now. But um, <laughs> East Siders, uh, yep, yep. That was the East Siders. Oh yeah, yeah. It was it was the East Siders because when we took a picture, my homie threw up a West Side, and like half the dudes in that crew like looked at my homie like for real. <laughs> it was so funny. Um, but the pro- probably the coolest person to meet backstage was Snoop Dogg. His whole entrance was like he's just very cinematic the way he does shit. Like there was this door before you get to like the little main area backstage where like the meet and greet and all that stuff happens. And he like opens the door and peeks through it, like, like a like a little, like a little kid would, and, and then like he pops his head back from back into the room, and then he waits a couple seconds, and then he pushes the door open, and he's like puffing on a blunt, and he just like steps into his smoke, and he's like, "How's it going? Nice to meet you." And he walks up to us, we're like little kids, and he's like, "How y'all doing? Y'all ready for a show?" Blah blah blah. He was like super cool, super slick about it. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> I was such a geek. I had like a Billabong shirt. It was but it but it said Philabong and it had like a weed leaf on it. I thought I was so dope. <laughs> hey, I, I I thought about this and I got you know, like I believe like what we say counts, you know, and everything we put out in the universe that comes, you know, like but I thought about this last night, man. Like if anything happens to Snoop Dogg, my childhood, my childhood's over. You know, like I know there's a lot of rappers dying. You know, left and oh, right. Yeah. Shout anything out to ha- Doom. Anything happens to Snoop, that's that's an end of our, of an era called our childhood. That's that's the end of our junior high years. That's the end of our high school years. I mean, he's been a part of our lives for so long. 
and Snoop Dogg is still out here doing it. I think it's a shame when they talk about the greatest, they always mention Jay-Z and they never mention Snoop. I think Snoop has been the most successful for so long. Like, still, still is, still is. Like, to this day, relevant, like, popping, like, nothing changed, you know? Like, we get that, man. People forget. I don't know why. Snoop Dogg, yo. Like in, in terms of like like childhood and stuff, like Snoop Dogg, like that's that's an one, era. That's that's one of my favorites. Like I told you, I was like one of those first three CDs or shit, like first two CDs I bought. But like uh, when Bismarcky passed away, yo, that was a uh, shock to me. I was like, that hurt because like yo, like catch the vapors, like oh man, like all the stuff he did with the Juice Crew, like man, I I was like I was hurt. I was like man. And then right after, the news popped about MF Doom. And I was just like, oh, no. Like, I look up to MF Doom. Like, like his lyrics, that's, like, I think most Def said it. That's, like, that's that's the MC. That's that's a, that's the rapper other rappers listens to or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like, the J Electronica before there was one. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the, the mystique. There's some mystique around them. Like. Right got that magic you know in, the, yeah, in, the, in their pen you know um, alright let's take it to the south Ludacris or T.I. Oh, I'm just gonna I'm gonna lean on Ludacris alright Scarface or uh, or Pimp C mm. early Scarface alright Rick Ross or Jeezy mmm I'm going to pass on that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, shit. Let's take a new school. New school. All right. New school. Drake or Meek Mill? Mm, I'm going to say Meek Mill. Just because Drake's right. corny. <laughs> Kendrick or J. Cole? Mm, Cole. Action Bronson or Joey Badass? Uh... I'll, I'll give it to Joey Badass. Nice, nice. I, I honestly, I think Joey Badass does not get the credit, dog. I, I think, I think Meek Mills, J Cole, Kendrick. I think they overshine and and over. They're they're over publicized that Joey Badass does not get the props. Like he's he's one of the illest from the new school. For to that's, me, like real that's talk. what's that's the what'll keep him dope, though. You know, you, yes, you, I think so too. He's gonna keep keep chasing it, so that's all. That's yeah, all that's true. That's the thing uh, when you when when you when you hit the top. I see this with like mad artists, and it's in all genres of music. It's like they either get like comfortable, or or they just try to stick to that that thing that got them there, and then they don't grow from it. And it's like mm. ah, that's cool, I guess, but I want to see more. Like tribe called Quest, they. Aside from all like you know everything that they did, but like from first album to the last one, you see so much progress and like so much uh, so much creativity, you know. And I think that's that's what needs to stay there. And it's not like they were racing or like trying to trying to beat anybody, but like I think they were probably trying to race or beat themselves. And uh, that's that's what makes them do better. Yeah, I think you have to be in competition with yourself. I think you have to be constantly trying to top the previous album. I think when artists lose that type of hunger, you're in trouble. I think, I think you have to keep in touch with the roots. 
you have to keep your ears out there to see what's to see who's out, who's new, mm-hmm. what are people putting out, what what kind of beats are people putting on. I think it's you got you have to get a good gauge on where the music industry is at. Um, yeah. Well, you got, like I said earlier, like you gotta you gotta stay connected to a youth, uh, yeah. or or you have to know someone who's who's got their finger on that pulse because. If you don't, it's it's not gonna it's not necessarily gonna hurt your creativity. It just it just might hinder an element or a change or or like an angle that you'd normally take. Um, last but not the least, I got two more questions, and and then I'm definitely gonna wrap this up because I don't want to take too much of your time away from your family. Um, right. I I just thought it would be interesting to ask. Um, what's what makes a good father to you? Now that you're a father yourself, what what makes a good, what makes somebody a good dad? Well, that's that's a thing I'm like constantly thinking about, like every nice. single day. And nice. since since the moment I found out I was going to be a dad, that's been running through my head. But like, nice. uh, the, some of the number one things is you gotta you gotta be present. Yeah. Um. Don't be afraid. Uh. So if it, if it's happening, then face it. Yeah. And and um. And then uh, the probably the next thing is is try to be aware of the needs of your kid. And like, I'm I'm really trying to prep myself for that. And especially in the like the age that we're stepping into, and the lifestyles that uh, that people are um, adjusting with. Like, I'm I'm trying to be open to anything and everything that can be or potentially would be. And I want to be supportive for it because if you're not supportive, as long as it, like if it's not if, if it's not hurting them, then that's just that's just another outlet of creativity. The same thing as what we're doing with music, you know. Yeah. Uh, so like I try to I'm I'm trying to be there for my kid as much as I can be in any way possible, and I think the best way to do that is to just be aware of your actions one uh two uh, aware of what your kid is into and how they're developing and try to move or groove with that flow and just support its evolution um because you know as much as you might love your baby you don't want to see them be a baby forever so you, you want to see them grow and do better than you and i think that's the what what a, a good father can do is always try to make sure that the, that their kid has the resources to be better than whatever they had amen last but not the least now that you have a family of your own mm-hmm. and you know with a partner and with you know like bringing in a kid in 2022 in these crazy times we live in in the united states of america um what's your key in keeping a family together um probably a lot of the same thing it's a being present and aware of the needs of everybody in your family you're not it's not just about you anymore you're a unit so you like your body has become greater that's that's also your lover that's also your child so as much as you would want to uh pay attention to the limbs of your body your heart or your organs or something you want to pay attention to the needs of your family and the best way to do that is to be present and to be aware and to uh, be communicative. If you don't communicate, then nobody really knows what's going on. And um, as long as everybody's communicating and can show love or their actions through a sense of compassion, I think you got a good plan going. Nice. Man, Cooley, it's been a pleasure talking to you, man. I love you, bro. Proud of you. 
Love you too, brother. I'm gonna text you when we get off the phone. All right. Um, oh yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna send you the flyer ASAP. And let's talk real quick. I'm, I'm gonna hit you back right now. Text. Word. Thank you so much, ladies and gents. Every podcast we did it. Season four, episode twenty. Shouts to Kuli. Shouts to Rifa. Shouts to KVP. Shouts to all the whole the whole San Diego community. Shout out to TRC. Amen. You got any shouts? You got any shouts, Kuli? Before you end it. Uh, shout out to Madhouse Productions. They've been keeping me uh, uh, hot with artists out here when I try to do shows. Um, shout out to Marlon D for putting me on. Fucking, you're always the greatest. Fucking, always loved you, as you know. And, uh, you know, shout out to the San Diego Posse and potentially, because I might be moving up to Humboldt soon. Shout out to the Humboldt Posse, too. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yo, man. Happy New Year's, dog. Thank, thank you for blessing my podcast for the first show of 2022. It's an honor, for real, man. Hey, blessings every time. I'm, I'm fucking proud to have done it. Happy New Year's, nice. bro. Happy New Year's. I'm going to hit you right now. Thank you. All right, man. Peace, Peace. out. Peace.